Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Thanks, Vicki, for sharing with us. Really appreciate that. You know, during this COVID season, uh, at the gym, in order to be able to do laps in the pool, you have to call in to get a reservation and uh, pick a lane. Well, I've been doing that throughout the season, but I recently called and the number was no longer working and they were sending you back to the specific gym that you were uh, uh, going to. So I called that gym and I called and I called and I called. Nobody was answering. No one would pick up the phone. Now, it's really important to get the lane and to get the reservation in. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to be able to swim and I'm kind of on this routine and schedule and, and you can't just show up. So I call. Nobody's answering. I even start to leave messages. Nobody's answering. After hours and hours uh, one day this week, I finally said, I'm not giving up. I'm going to call until I get through. I called the entire day with no luck. I had to actually end up going out to the gym to set a reservation. Those ones that I wanted ended up not being available. I had to do a different day. Uh, But couldn't get through. No matter what I tried, I got no response. What about this one? You text people or you email people and they never answer. They never respond back or maybe you're on a dating app and, you're, and you feel like you have the, the perfect match and everything's good to go, but then you get ghosted, right? No response. Do you ever feel like prayer is that way? That you're reaching out to God and that there's no response. You've been praying for something and it, and it just seems like it's not working. Nothing's happening. It seems like God isn't answering. You've been praying, God, send me a spouse. God, help me take away this addiction. God, help me with my anger. Set me free from it. God, would you help heal this relationship? God, give me a job. God, provide for me. Why doesn't he listen? Why doesn't he pick up and answer? But then I read about Elijah. And God answers Elijah's prayers, and they're huge prayers, and he answers them many times over. He prays for drought in the land. Prayer answered. He prays uh, for, to be able to raise the widow's uh, uh, son from the dead. Prayer answered. He prays for God to send fire from heaven to consume the altar uh, and the sacrifice on Mount Carmel. Answered. What did Elijah understand about prayer? And what can we learn from him so that we too can have that type of effective prayer life? So what I want to do today is I want to look at one of Elijah's prayers to find that out. I believe that God wants to reveal to you and I today something that can dramatically transform our prayer life forever. What we're looking at today can 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 lead to greater intimacy and more intimacy and more connection with our Heavenly Father than maybe you've ever experienced before and which will lead to you seeing more answered prayer. Now, before we turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, which is where we'll be today, I want to draw your attention to James chapter 5 where James actually speaks about Elijah. And he says this, James chapter 5, verse 17, he says this. He says that he, meaning Elijah, prayed what? What does it say? You can even type it in. What does he say? It says he prayed earnestly. Another translation says he prayed fervently for it not to rain. And rain never came to the land for three years 
and six months. And so here we see in James, we see someone, Elijah, who believed in prayer, and he prayed big, bold prayers, and God moved, and God responded, and God acted. And the temptation for you and the temptation for me is to dismiss Elijah and to dismiss God's answers to him because we reason, well, you know, he's a prophet, so of course God's going to work and God's going to act and God's going to answer his prayers. Or Elijah's in the Bible, so, you know, it's a story there, so of course he has to answer the prayers. That's why it's a story in the Bible. And I'm not in the Bible and God doesn't really answer prayers in my life that way. But listen to how the verse started. James chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, Elijah was a person, and I want you to type this in, Elijah was a person just like who? Just like, say it and type it, just like us. Elijah was just like you and I. Now that's huge. He's not someone that we can't relate to. He's not superhuman. He's a regular person like you and I. But he is somebody who believed in prayer. Somebody who prayed behaps. Yeah, that's what I said, behaps. What are behaps? Well, Jim Collins wrote a book years ago called Built to Last, and he coined the phrase behags, which were big, hairy, audacious goals. Well, Elijah was praying behaps, big, hairy, audacious prayers. And that's how God wants you and I to pray, behaps, big, hairy, audacious prayers. And that's what Elijah did. He prayed behaps. He prayed believing that God is going to move and to work and to act. And that's what we saw last week. After three and a half years of drought, God said it was time to confront the false prophets or the false gods. And so God had Elijah bring together the, the false prophets of Baal and Asherah on the top of Mount Carmel. And Elijah said to the people in 1 Kings 18, verse 21, how long will you try to have it both ways? In other words, he was saying, quit wavering between the two. Quit wavering between God and, and these false gods. Pick a side. Choose. Elijah then offers up a behap to God. He says this, 1 Kings 18, verse 37. He says, answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you Lord our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then, if you were with us last week, you know God answers his behalf by sending fire from heaven, consuming the sacrifice, consuming the altar, which had been soaked completely with water, unlike the false gods whose, whose altar and idol were still, or, 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 or sacrifice were still sitting on the altar because their god or gods didn't answer and didn't consume the sacrifice. As a result of all this, the people finally chose. They said, yes, God, Yahweh, Jehovah God, you are the one true God. Then it was time for Elijah to offer up another behap to God. God, now it's time for you to send rain upon the land. Not just a little, but enough to restore the dry and weary and parched land to health. So I want to pick up the story. Eliza chapter 18, verse 42. Now, as we look at this life-changing prayer, this will be something that if we incorporate into our lives, will give us a deeper, more intimate, and more effective prayer life with our Heavenly Father, and it will lead to more answered prayer. 
So first of all, as we dive into this, we're going to see that effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers are humble prayers. A deeper relationship with God starts with humility. After the showdown with the false prophets, it says, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42, it says, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He wanted to be alone with God. And what did Elijah do when he got there? What does it say in verse 42? It says that he, Elijah, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Can you picture that? Here's Elijah in this physical posture of humility, which was really a way of representing a spiritual posture of humility, physically showing what was going on inside of him spiritually. It was his way of saying, God, I recognize who you are, and I recognize who I am, that I need you, that I can't do this. You're God, you're holy, you're the creator, you're the healer, the sustainer, the provider, and so I humbly come before you, and you alone, because only you, God, can bring the rain. You see, that's humility. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the who? To the humble. Verse 10 goes on and says it this way, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will what? What will he do? He will, right? He'll lift you up. You want to get God's attention? You want God to move? You want God to act in your life? Then we need to, God invites us to humble ourselves before him. In fact, humility is often what precedes the miraculous in our lives. So here's the question. Is our humility a true humility or a false humility? I want to talk about this for a few minutes. Is it true humility or a false humility? Is it actually arrogance wrapped in the package of humility? One indicator of that is that arrogance is often comes as a result of knowledge. In other words, I know something. And if you knew what I knew, then you would. What did the Apostle Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1? He said this, knowledge puffs up. Another translation says, knowledge makes people arrogant. We can find ourselves uh, doing that with God, right? God, if you only understood what I'm go going through. God, if you really knew what I know. If you really, God, had the knowledge about my situation. God, if you really had the knowledge about my feelings, about my life, about my circumstances. See, that's pride. That's arrogance wrapped in the package of humility. It's, I'm coming before you, know, humbly, God, but I'm really hoping I can help you understand my plight so that you'll answer the prayer the way I want it to be answered. Now, we never say that out loud, of course. But the question is, is this a posture that you have found yourself in before the Lord? Have you found yourself in a place of saying, God, I come before you humbly, but I'm really trying to get you to know something that I know so that you will answer the way I want you to answer. In my journey with the Lord over the years, I have just, I've thought about and I've spent some time reflecting on this. I know that that's been true of me at times. What about you? What I'm describing, let me try to illustrate it another way. It's kind of like taking our political posture 
into our prayer life posture. Taking our political posture and, and having that posture in our prayer life. Now, what am I talking about? Well, when it comes to politics, I think most of us would probably agree that most people are firmly entrenched in their point of view. Wouldn't you probably agree with that? Most people, politics, whatever side of the aisle you're on, whatever you believe about all that, you're pretty firmly entrenched in your point of view. And when it comes to conversations with other people, maybe even about politics specifically, and whether that's face-to-face or more often now in our social media passive-aggressive, you know, going after people, preaching at people, you know, from our couch, we think this. If they only knew what I know. If they only knew, if they only had the knowledge that I have, and if I could talk to them about that, if I can tweet it, if I can post it on social media, then I could convince them to see the light, to see the error of their thinking and their wrong ideology. Now, I want you to hang with me here. Don't don't lose this, this, this illustration. Our political posture Oftentimes, maybe not for all of you, but for a lot of people, our political posture is such that I have certain knowledge and that you, another person, can't do anything or say anything to cause me to change my mind. I'm dug in. And those on the other side, you know, they're, they're, they're either, you know, wrong, immoral, uneducated, clueless, whatever the case may be. And consequently, There is little or perhaps no sense of humility when it comes to our political posture. Now, I'm not even addressing whether right or wrong and all that. I'm just saying that that's kind of, if we just get real, that's kind of reality. Unfortunately, we can bring that political posture, which really that arrogance, that pride, that false humility because of knowledge, we can bring that into our prayer life posture. God, I come before you humbly, so we say. But the reality is we're dug in. The reality is there's nothing that God can do or say that's going to change my mind. I have a certain knowledge, God. I have a certain knowledge about you, God. I have a certain knowledge about the Word of God, your Bible, and and about culture that you don't even have. And so I'm dug in. And I can't change. And we bring that into our prayers. One of the easiest examples of this is, because it's just an easy one to think about, how many years has God invited you to give generously to him of not just your time and your talent, but also your treasure? How many years has God been, been just gently encouraging you, whether at LifePoint or other churches? How many years you know, right? You know the reality. This isn't a message on giving, but I just illustrate. You know that God desires that you give to Him regularly, that you give your first fruits, you give a percentage, even giving a tithe or even more. And yet, we still haven't done what God desires of us in this area. Maybe we've even prayed about it. Why haven't we done anything? Why? Because we're dug in. We've reasoned that we have a certain knowledge about why and what we think the Bible says about the topic. Listen, that's false humility. And it's rooted in knowledge that ends up taking precedence over our submission to our Heavenly Father. True humility is submitting to the will of God. 
of saying yes to God's will in God's way. Elijah, verse 42, what does it say? He bent down to the ground. He put his face between his knees. Effective prayers, they're humble prayers. Not trying to bend God to our will, but trying to be, allowing God to bend His will, or allowing God to bend our will to His will and to His way. Rather than saying, God, if you only had the knowledge that I had. In humility, allowing God to bend our will to His way and to His will. Effective prayers are humble prayers, but also effective prayers are also specific prayers. Effective prayers are specific prayers. How often do you find yourself praying non-specific, you know, just kind of generic, maybe even wishy-washy type prayers? You know, God, be with us, and God, you know, give me strength and help me and bless this food and all of that, right? Non-specific, excuse me, general, common prayers. But you know, generic prayers often lead to a generic relationship with God, ordinary relationship with God. If you have teenagers or, or had teenagers at one point and you ask them how their day went, what's the most common answer? Back when they went to school, you know, that wasn't at home and all your teachers, uh, all your parents who were working hard to make this word work, big shout out to you guys. You guys are all awesome. You're rock stars. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep it up. We realize how hard this season is for you. But you know, if you're a, a parent and, and your kid's, came home from school and say, hey, how was your day? You usually get a one-word answer, don't you? I want you to type it in in the chat there. How was your day? What does your teenager typically say? How was your day? What do they say? Fine. Or what else do they say? Good. Right? How was your day? Fine. Good. What did you do at school today? Not much. Not much. You might push them then a little bit. You know, you're not getting much out of them. And you might say, hey, Son, can you elaborate a little bit? Can you be more what? Can you be more, type it in. Can you be more specific, right? Elijah was very specific. God, it's been three and a half years and it hasn't rained and it's time and we need rain and we need it now. God, bring the rain. He was specific in his behalf. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 43 Go and look towards the sea, Elijah told his servant. And he went up, the servant, and he looked. Why? Because Elijah had prayed for rain, and he knew that God was going to send rain. It was going to come from the west. Be specific. And that's what Elijah did. You know, this summer, uh, we saw the power of being specific in our prayer here at LifePoint. There was a particular situation with a LifePoint member, and it was really, really serious. People were all over social media posting about it. Everybody was trying to get the word out, and, and it was just a, a real serious situation. Days and days went by with no word, and, and, and people were alarmed and scared. And then one of our prayer warriors here at LifePoint said, you know what, let's get together and let's pray and let's be specific. And so a bunch of people gathered, uh, adults, teenagers, kids, and started, started the evening off in a time of worship before God, just humbling ourselves before God. And then we started praying, and we started petitioning God and being specific in our prayers. God resolved this. God solved this situation, the circumstance. Solve it tonight. They were BHAP prayers. The next morning, 
After this has been going on for days and days and days and nothing, after this prayer time, the specific prayer time, the next morning, we got word. The very specific prayer was answered to a T. God wants you and I to be specific in our prayers. Effective prayers are specific prayers. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You don't have what you want because you don't what? For type it in. You don't what? You don't ask God for it. Oh, God already knows. I, I don't really need to ask. But that's not how it works with God. God wants us to pray, and He wants us to pray specific prayers. Now, it's important if we're going to look at that verse to make sure we look at the next verse, which ties back to the humility piece. Look what it says, James chapter 4, verse 3. And when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. In other words, this whole false humility piece that we were talking about, trying to bend God to our will rather than humbly bending our will to God's will and what He wants for us. That's why James says we don't see God answer our prayers. God invites us to be people that will be humble. That we'd humble ourselves before Almighty God. Uh, Elijah did it in a physical posture. God invites us to do that physically and internally. And to go before Him with specific prayers. That God would move and God would act in a very specific way. But then thirdly, effective prayers are also persistent prayers. Persistent prayers. Elijah's humbled himself. He's been specific, and now he's going to be persistent. Let's look at this. First Kings chapter 18, verse 43, it says this. It says, go and look towards the, uh, the sea, Elijah told his servant. And he went up and he looked, and there's nothing the servant said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Are you catching what's going on? Elijah tells his servant, hey, go look and see. Do you see anything? The servant looks, nothing. Comes back to Elijah, says, hey, I didn't see anything. Elijah gets on his knees, prays again. Sends him off. Say, okay, now go look. He goes off. He looks. Nothing's there. Comes back. Hey, there's nothing there. Elijah gets on his knees. He prays again. This goes back and forth. No answer, prayer. No answer, prayer. No answer, prayer. No answer, prayer. Seven times he prays this specific prayer. But here's what's important for you and I to grab. While this is going on, Elijah does not allow these, you know, no, so to speak, or these outward circumstances, what's going on, to affect his inward assurance. In other words, he doesn't allow the outward circumstances to affect his inner trust in God. He trusts God. And so he's, he's persistent. He's not allowing these outward circumstances when it seems like, well, maybe God's not moving or, or maybe it's a timing issue or when it seems like God isn't answering. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't say, that's it. I'm done with this prayer. I've prayed enough. I'm not praying anymore. This doesn't work. That's not what he does. He prays and he prays and he prays and he prays. And it doesn't seem like God's working, so he prays some more. And it doesn't seem like God's working or moving. And so he prays and he prays. He's persistent. Here's the question. Is there anything that you used to pray for that you stopped praying for? Is there anything that you used to pray for, but now you've stopped praying for that? Maybe you were praying for your marriage and to have a better or healthier or more godly marriage. But you've seen no movement 
in the other one or in yourself so you stop praying. Or maybe you prayed for employment and you've been praying and praying and praying, God, I'm reaching out and I'm calling and they're not, you know, they're not calling back. I've been ghosted by all these companies and I'm not hearing from anybody. So you, you gave up. You grew weary. You grew tired. Or maybe you were praying for your finances to turn around and nothing's happened. You were praying for a broken relationship. And no matter how much you've prayed for, it seems like there's no movement. The other person shows no interest in further conversation or in reconciliation or making things right. So you stop praying. Maybe you were praying for a family member who doesn't know Christ. And maybe you're doing that for years and years and years, but not so much anymore. You just kind of gave up. What have you stopped praying for? Now, I got to tell you, I can't help but ask when I think about this question. It's a, it's a question that grabs me every single time I think about or read this story. How many of my prayers stopped on prayer six? And God wanted to answer on prayer seven. You ever thought about that? How many of your prayers stopped on number six? And yet God was getting ready to answer on your seventh prayer. It was only the seventh prayer that time that God, uh, seventh prayer that God answered. It wasn't the fourth, the fifth, or the sixth. It reminds me of the story in 2 Kings chapter 13. Elisha is, not Elijah, but Elisha is with King Jehoash. And he tells him, I want you to strike the ground as an act of faith to demonstrate that we are going to defeat Aram. And so Elijah was angry at Jehoash uh, for striking the ground only three times. And Elijah tells him, you should have kept striking the ground. Not three times, but you should have kept going. More, 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 more faith. You should have had more faith. Keep praying. Keep striking the ground, God's saying to us. Persistence. Keep trusting God. Keep praying. Keep striking the ground. You never know when the next prayer is the answer that God wants to bring. Effective prayers, they're humble prayers. Effective prayers, they're they're specific prayers. Effective prayers are also persistent prayers. But lastly, they're also expectant prayers. They're expectant prayers. After the seventh prayer, the servant comes back. 1 Kings 18, verse 44, it says, The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Look at Elijah's response to that answer. Verse 4, 1 Kings 18, 44, So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot, Go down before the rain stops you. Man, I read this passage, and personally, I'm not convinced that I would, would have that reaction to a tiny little cloud off into the distance. I'm not so sure I'd say, oh, okay, yeah, that means it's going to rain. I probably would have waited longer to get more proof, to get more evidence, to more than just a speck. But not Elijah. That was his answer. That's all he needed. He fully expected that one tiny rain cloud would turn into a deluge on the land. God had already answered in Elijah's mind. Hurry, get the king, get everybody. Let's get down the mountain before we get stuck. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 45 says this, The sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose. And notice what it says, what kind of rain? A heavy rain. 
started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. You see, expectant prayers, you have the faith that a small cloud is evidence that God is working, and you have the faith and the trust that God will turn that small cloud into a heavy rain. In other words, you don't need the whole picture to know that God is already moving and God is already working in your life. You trust that God is working and moving and acting on your behalf even before the rain shows up. The drought was broken through the prayer of faith according to the will of God. But you know, in this whole story that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, ultimately, it was, the answer prayer wasn't about ending a physical drought, but ending a spiritual drought in Israel. It was all meant to turn hearts fully to God and not wavering between God and other false gods. See, I want you to catch this. That God will often wait to answer our prayers in the physical realm in order to deal with our spiritual needs first having greater faith in God, growing in our humility, trusting God more than trusting ourselves, learning to lean on Him to be our source, to be our strength, to be our guide, to be our comforter. God is often answering the depth of your prayer that you don't even realize is the real answer to your prayer, addressing your true spiritual needs. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46 says, The power of the Lord came on Elijah. Tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Elijah received supernatural strength to outrun Ahab and the chariots. No doubt that this physical picture is actually a symbol that portrays the dynamic effects of living a life of prayer. Living a life of prayer and going before Almighty God humbly and expectant and persistent when we come before Him that that brings to us energy and vitality into our walk with God and into our relationship with God. Effective prayers. They're humble prayers. They're specific prayers. They're persistent prayers. They're expectant prayers. And when you and I pray in this way, Man, our relationship with our Heavenly Father grows deeper. Our connection with Him grows deeper. Our intimacy with Him grows deeper. It grows more dynamic. And we see more answers to prayer. So what about you? Do you want this in your life? I hope you do. I pray that you do. Let's pray about that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before You humbly right now, laying our life before You. And God, we're not coming before You with an answer already in mind for whatever we're lifting up to You. We want Your will and we want Your way. But God, You also tell us in the midst of this humility to be specific and persistent. And to expect that you're going to move and you're going to act. So God, hear our prayers right now. Wherever you're at, wherever you're listening or watching this, is there something that you need to take before the Lord right now? And this is just a moment you're just going to kind of broach a subject with God and tell Him, hey, I'm going to come back to you, God. But 
I want to encourage you to take that moment right now and do this with God. And in your own way, in your own words, just say something like, God, I surrender to you. I submit my will to your will. So I put my head between my knees right now, God, in humility, trusting you, knowing that you are the one who is the creator, the sustainer, the giver of life, almighty God who answers prayers according to your will. So God, humbly right now, I bring this to you. And very specifically, here's what I'm presenting to you. Here's what I'm asking. Here's what I'm giving to you. Will you just do that now? God, hear these moments of faith. And God, I pray as the week goes on and as each person has lifted up a prayer just in their heart, God, that they would be persistent in that this week with a heart of humility, expecting that you will move and you will act. Because God, we want to pray and we want to ask this according to your good and perfect will and not just what we can have for ourselves or our own pleasures. We humble ourselves before you, God. Thank you for loving us, for giving us life through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.